Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. All they told themselves is, well, when it comes to the bowing, we will simply remain standing. While everyone else around them was going to be falling down and hailing the king and this image, they will stand. Because they knew that though they were in Babylon, they were not supposed to conform to the ways of Babylon, no matter the price. So you can imagine what was going through their minds. Bowing down, death. Bowing down, death. But they knew one thing. As far as the scripture says, they were the only people who remained standing. And there were multitudes and multitudes of the king's officials. And the one thing we can learn from this is the standard in our lives is not the many around us who are compromising. It is not the many around us who are giving in to the ways of the world. But the standard for us as believers is the word of God. But so often when we look around and the many around us are giving in, there is that added pressure to say, I don't want to look different. What will people think of me? But these three young men only cared about pleasing God. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. They knew this very well. And as we go through the story, you realize that this test was perhaps not as difficult for them as we might think, considering the consequences. Now, as I said, they did not protest the king's command. They knew that they would simply remain standing. Now, obviously, someone was going to see this disobedience. It was clear. If we're in a crowd like this and we're all stood up, and if I say to you, at the count of three, can we all sit down unless... You want to disobey. While you are standing, I may not see where your beliefs lie. While you are standing, you may be hidden in the crowd. But the moment the whole crowd sits down and you are remaining standing, everyone else around you will see that he or she is the one who is not obeying the king's command. So they knew it was only a matter of time before they were found out. And sure enough, when the music goes out, everyone falls down. They are standing there. And some people see them and decide, well, why are they standing? Why are they disobeying? But you see, one thing they knew very well, by remaining standing up, the spotlight was suddenly on them. They stood out from the crowd they stood out from their friends. They stood out from their community as different. And that's what we are called to as Christians, to stand out, 
to stand as the light of the world because the light cannot be hidden. Amen. The light in you and me has to be allowed to shine forth. They knew this and said, well, in spite of the consequences, we will stand and show forth the light of our God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Do not allow yourself as a believer to be put under the ways of the world. Do not allow yourself as a believer to be suppressed. Live your life to the full in Christ Jesus. Show forth the glory of the God who is in you without fear. But so as everyone falls down, some people see that these three young men are not obeying the king's command. So they run to the king and make an, uh, and make an accusation. They say, well, you we have made this command, but there are some people who are not obeying. And I would read the scripture for you because the way they said it, it was almost as if it was sarcastic. Verse 12, Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. They went to the king now and they said, There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew these three boys well because they served with them in Babylon. But when they go to the king, they say, There are certain people among us, these boys... There are certain people who call themselves believers, Christians among us who dare not obey your command. Now to his credit, when this accusation is made, to his credit, the king doesn't just take it on hearsay. He decides, well, I'll give these three young men a personal audience. I mean, you have to give them credit for that. How many times... Are we as believers, we find ourselves in complicated situations because someone has made some accusation and the people who hear these accusations make decisions based on what they have been told. You are not even consulted yourself. But the king says, well, I'll call them. And good on him. I'm sure the king remembered these three young boys that, no, they are the boys that I personally promoted when their friend Daniel interpreted my dream. So he says, bring them to me. I will question them. I will let them speak and, and, and provide me with their defense. Now this is where the exam really starts getting serious. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not save my gods or worship the gold, the gold image which I have set. Is it true? Now, if you have taken exams, there are different types of exams. The simplest exam being you are just asked to choose between five options, A, B, C, D, or E. And sometimes it's difficult. If you don't know the answer, you just go by elimination. You say, no, definitely it is not this one. So I leave this, that one out. And your aim is to narrow the choices until you have so few that at least the probability of guessing is correct. 
Now the reason I say this suddenly became serious is because the king now asked them point blank, is it true? There can only be two answers to that, yes or no, it is true. That's the hardest test or exam that we face as individuals. Whether you are a believer or not, if you are asked, is this true or not? No more time for endless discussions. Just say yes or no. Nail your colors to the mast. They find themselves in this situation. Now, this was a very huge test. It is one thing to make a stand for God. And it is another when you are asked point blank, is this true? This is the situation that Peter was in. When he was asked, is it true that you are one of Jesus' followers? Suddenly, he realizes this is serious. And Peter goes, no, 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 I'm not one of these. And yet if you rewind only a few hours before, he is vowing even vehemently, that's what the scripture says to the Lord Jesus. He says, no, I will not abandon you. I will not betray you even if it means death. Only a few hours. Now he is in the spotlight. Peter, surely you are one of them. No, I have never seen this man before. Sometimes it's easy when we're not in the spotlight. When we're mingling and going through life as normal. It's easy to wiggle our way through issues. Sometimes even to hide our beliefs and simply say nothing so as not to rock the boat. But that time was gone now. This was a time for yes or no. Now before they could answer, the king jumps in and says, well, wait, before you can answer, let me remind you of the consequences and the, and the end result. Perhaps that might help you make up your mind whether indeed you do not obey me or not. Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. The king says, now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, if you fall down and worship the image which I have made, then good, I will know that this has all been a big misunderstanding. Then we can go back and live life as we were. Just in case it was a misunderstanding. The king says, however, if you do not bow down, you shall be thrown into the furnace of fire. There I have given you the options, I have given you the privilege of appearing before me. What do you say? Now this young man did not hesitate. They did not ponder these options for days on end. 
because they knew where their hearts lay. And they say to the king, well, if these are the only two options that you are giving us, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And indeed, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. They had faith in God. They had seen God work in their lives. As I said, if you go back to chapter 1, they had another examination of a lower extent where they were given this food which they were not supposed to eat because it defiled them. And yet they stood their ground. But that was not before the king. It was before one of the king's officials. Now suddenly they are here. They have confidence in their God. The same God that I have seen deliver me in the past will deliver me now. They had no doubt whatsoever. But just in case the king got carried away, they say, however, King Nebuchadnezzar, just in case our God does not deliver us, let it be known, O king, that we do not save your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. This is a serious examination. They may have thought when they were summoned before the king, they were going for their GCSEs. And suddenly, without notice, they are sitting for a university examination. These stakes have been raised considerably. And now what I want to say to us is that the fact that your situation gets worse and worse every time you put your trust in God. That does not mean defeat. That's something that we as believers, when we go through our trials, we must have. Because sometimes we begin to doubt God. Where is God in all this? I trusted in him. My situation is getting worse. I am the laughing stock of my community, of my friends. Where is the Lord in all this? Now, unfortunately, this is what happened to them. Things got worse. When they challenged the king in this manner, he was so furious. That's what the scripture says. And then he does three things. He says that you will not only be thrown into the fire, but you will be bound before you are thrown into the fire. The king is so mad that who are these three young men that I've been so kind and good to? I've promoted, yet they have the audacity to challenge my authority. Who are they? He is so furious. He says, light up that fire to be seven times hotter than it normally is. He says, besides that, I will not have anyone throw them into the fire, but I will get some of my strongest soldiers to lift them bound and throw them into the fire. Suddenly, the stakes have been raised because these three young men chose to keep their faith in their God. And that is what happens to us each and every day of our lives. If you look into your life, there is no day that passes without something questioning your faith in your Lord Jesus Christ. They could have cried, Lord, where are you? We trusted you in this. 
Now surely we will not survive. The fire is seven times water. Why did the king do this? He has been challenged by these three young men who says, our God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, know this one thing. We will not worship your gods. And I challenge us this morning. Whatever examination we go through, like these young men, if it is going to be your last stand, do like these young men. They had one more sermon in them for the king. That, oh, king, we know that maybe we are on our way to death finally. But there is one more thing that we want you to know. There is but only one God that we will bow down to. And that is Jehovah. Now in those circumstances, you look at these three young men, then they are taken by these strong soldiers to be thrown into the fire. Now this fire was so hot. Scripture says the soldiers who carried these three young men actually died themselves in the fire. And yet they only went to the entrance of the furnace. This is how hot this furnace was. This is how serious this examination was. But more often than not, it's easy to look back at the things that we stand to lose and then make our decision in how we save God depending on what we think we are going to lose. But the one thing we can take away from this account is as believers, Don't look at what you stand to lose. Look at what you stand to gain. Amen. As I said, they were captives. They could have thought, well, the king has been very good to us. Yes, we are in captivity, but he has treated us well. He has appointed us to serve in his kingdom. He has promoted us, and surely what more could a captive ask for? And yet by disobeying the king, they stood to lose all this, all this luxury that they enjoyed in captivity. Not to mention their lives, of course, because they were going to die. But let's be like these boys and look at what we stand to gain. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Don't be deceived. Through any trial that you go through, there is always something good that you are going to benefit out of. If it is not a promotion, if it is not physical things that you gain out of it, then it is your character. It is you as an individual. You come out better on the other side of it. That's why if you go for any job interview, the person who has the greatest chance of getting that job is the one on paper who has the most experience. There is no substitute for experience. 
in life as it is in Christianity. David appreciated this concept. That's why when he faced Goliath, everyone else was shaking away. Everyone else would not dare challenge Goliath. And yet he had a simple mathematics problem to put before him. He says, I remember when I headed my father's ship. I remember that a bear came once. I fought with it and I overcame. I remember one day when I was heading my father's ghost that a lion came and snatched one of them away. I chased after it and I overcame. I can see how this experience that I've gone through, my God has shown himself faithfully in each one of them. There is no reason he's not going to show himself strong when I stand before Goliath. Do not frown upon the trials and the examinations that you go through. They strengthen you. They prepare you for the battles that lie ahead. And I always say the strength and the character for your next challenge is in your current trial. So sometimes let's not cry. Yes, we are human beings. We feel the pain. I'm not saying let's not, let's not feel the pain. I'm not saying let's be paranoid and refuse the facts that are right behind, before our eyes. All I'm saying is, let's see the positive at the end. James chapter 1 verse 2, it says, brethren, this is how James actually puts it. It says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it as joy. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He says, let's embrace the challenges when they come. Yes, we don't want them, but when they do come, embrace them. Look on the positive side. There is nothing that you can do about the negative of it. No amount of crying, no amount of even throwing away your belief and trust in God, that will not change the situation. It is only our steadfast trust and faith in God that will change the situation. Let's have the right attitude when we go through these trials. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 actually puts it like this. It says... And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And if we would approach our trials with that mentality, I believe it will strengthen us. It will embolden us. Amen. There's a few things that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. Number one, let's remember that God has equipped us to deal with the trials that come our way. Amen. He has equipped us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able 
but with every temptation, he will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This scripture is so simple. He will not allow anything to come your way that he knows you can't handle. Therefore, when a trial comes my way, that's how I should look at it and say, I am able. Because his grace is sufficient for me. The moment we look at the challenge and think, wow, we are finished, we are, in essence, standing and saying, Lord, your word is not true. He says, you are well able. The Lord will always put boundaries around us when we go through challenges. Job went through some of the most harrowing trial of his life. But God put one boundary to the enemy and said, you can do anything you like with Job, but you shall not cross this line. You shall not touch his life. And sure enough, Job went through all the trials, all the pain, all the sickness, went through that, and not once did he give up on his God. Because God had confidence in Job. I challenge you this morning, let's have confidence in the God who has confidence in us. He will put boundaries if he allows anything to come to us. He filters everything that comes our way and knows that he has equipped us accordingly. Otherwise, he would not be a loving father who just throws us into the deep when he knows we can't swim. But God is so merciful. He is so faithful. And the scripture says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And the next thing that we should remember is that God is with us while we go through the trials. We are not just suffering alone. For those of you who follow a little bit of football, how many follow some kind of football around here? Don't be shy. Yeah? So I'm speaking to the right audience. There is a football team called Liverpool, for those who don't follow football. Yes. <laughs> it's all going to be good. I follow Manchester United, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> but I will be good to Liverpool today. Now, in their stadium, there is a motto that the whole club runs on, and it's called, you will never walk alone. Now, those words are inscribed across the wall in the tunnel. So when the players are ready to go out and play, the last words that they see before they step onto the pitch are those famous words, you will never walk alone. And the players know that our fans are right behind us. No matter the opposition, no matter how strong the opposition is. And if you know Liverpool, they've played against some of the biggest teams in the world. And as they step out into the pitch, their fans, 54,000 of them, they all stand up 
and sing this anthem, you will never walk alone. You can literally see those players grow in stature as they wait to kick off the match because they know whatever we face today in this battleground, our fans are with us, they are behind us, they are cheering us on. So we have nothing to fear. God is like that. When we go through our trials, he is cheering us on. Just like these fans, just like these players looking at their fans and knowing that we can play fearless today. Let's look at our God and know we can go through these challenges, challenges in a fearless manner. Now, unlike the Liverpool supporters, they can scream and cheer their team as much as they want, but they can never cross that white line into the pitch. Their support and their encouragement finishes on the terraces. But our God is not like that. He cheers us on. The scripture says he goes into the battleground with us. David had this revelation from his experiences with God. When he sits back and he looks back into his life, he says, yes, I've had some tough times, but surely... Though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for only one reason and one reason only. Because I know that my God is with me in the valley of death. God will not sit by the sidelines and cheering us on and say, yes, go Nathan, you can do it. Go on Nathan. God says, I will be with you. I will carry you through your challenge. I will carry you through your situation and circumstance. He is a God who has a vested interest in our well-being. Hallelujah. I don't know what situations you are going through in your life. The band may come back if, if you can, please. I don't know what examinations you are going through. Now, as I started off, I, I started off with the academic examinations. Anyone can muckle their way through an academic exam. The most challenging exam that one can ever go through is an examination of your values as an individual. An examination of your values as a believer. Now, these three young boys did not just trust God because they believed that he will bless them. They did not trust God because they believed that there was a promotion ahead of them. But they trusted God because that was the only thing they ever wanted to do. They were not willing to compromise their faith. And I challenge us this morning, let us not be willing under any circumstances to compromise our faith in God. Yes, the consequences may be negative.
But there is something that every believer wants to hear at the end of the day when they stand before our Creator. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now these boys, as I said, they stood after they basically stood their ground. They were faced with only one outcome, being thrown into the fire. Now you may be sitting here today and say it, where, and you are saying, where is God in all this that I'm going through? I trusted in him. My life has gotten worse. Things around me have gotten even more painful. You might have thought my God will save me before they throw me into that furnace of fire. But I want to encourage you this morning. Your deliverance may actually be in the fire itself. Just like these three young boys. The king was so kind to give them a personal audience. And perhaps you might be thinking, well, why didn't God touch the king's heart at that moment for the king to let these young men go? But God just left the situation like, the, like that because he knew these young men will not give up on them. You may be wondering, God, where are you in my situations? But perhaps like these three young boys, the chains that bind you are loosed not outside of the fire, but inside the fire. Scripture says when they were thrown in, the next thing the king saw were four people walking in the fire. Their chains broken off and they were not bent. Now the king stands and says, did we not throw in three people in there? And yet I see a fourth who is like the son of man. Because the three young boys kept their faith in God. Even a proud king, an arrogant king, could not deny one simple fact that indeed there is a God who is greater than my own gods. There is a God who saves even in the fire. Now the king then says, let it be known from today henceforth that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego must be left alone to save their God. No one must say anything negative about their God. And yet, all the masses that bow down will continue bowing down to that golden image. Sometimes we enjoy the freedoms that we do because someone took a stand even in the face of death, a stand for what they believed in. Take a stand of faith for your family. Take a stand of faith for your children that when they grow up, 
they'll perhaps look back and say, if my parents withstood this, if my church withstood this, then surely I can withstand it. There is no challenge or circumstance that is too big for God. And I want to finish with these words that I've already said. Let us have confidence in a God who has confidence in each one of us. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.